This is Pastor Mark Sepulveda with Impact Church San Diego welcoming you to our podcast. I hope today's word inspires you, encourages you, and lifts you up. And if you would like to support our podcast, all we ask for is your prayers so we can continue bringing you the word of God. I hope you enjoy today's message. So sit back, relax, and have a listen. God bless you. Hello and welcome back. This is Pastor Mark Sepulveda with Impact Church San Diego welcoming you to our final installment of Four Biblical Reasons Why We Should Pray for the Lost. But before we begin, I know that I have mentioned in several of my broadcasts that uh, in several weeks I'll have an announcement uh, and it still will be uh, several more weeks. So if you stay tuned, I will have that announcement here shortly. And what's going on? Nothing really big. It could be big. It might not be big. It might be nothing at all. But for me and my family, it's it's, per, it's been uh, pretty significant and uh, it's been a pretty interesting ride so far. So, uh, we're going to get into it. Uh, four biblical reasons why we should pray for the lost. Uh, I'm going to go through them really quick. Uh, number one is our love for them. That God tells us that we should love one another. And if we love God, if we abide in love, uh, love abides in us. Which means if we abide in that love and God is love, then if we love one another, then God abides in us. So we need to love one another. Okay. So we need to witness to one another and pray for one another. Uh, number two, our faith in 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 uh, in prayer, our faith in Christ Jesus, our faith that we have that we grew up with that we know that Jesus Christ is Lord, that He died on the cross and rose again for our salvation. Our faith in that alone should be worthy to share to other people who don't know the gospel at all. And uh, number three is the power. There is power in prayer because there is power in prayer. Knowing that prayer does answer, uh, that God answers prayers and in all things. If we don't pray, the Bible says we need to pray for one another. And if we don't pray and we don't ask God with humbleness, you know, in prayer, how are we supposed to receive if we don't ask God? And how do we ask God? We ask him in prayer. Uh, we ask him, you know, to save a loved one, to save a friend, a coworker, uh, you know, a family member. So there is power in prayer, and we know that God answers prayer. And today we're going to hit, uh, touch on the last one. And there's plenty of other reasons why we need to help the laws, why we need to uh, pray for the laws, why we need to witness to the laws. There's plenty of other reasons. I'm just giving you four basic ones. The last one is God expects us to. <laughs> As children of God, He merely just expects us to. I mean, can we go to church week after week and maybe a Bible study during the week? You know, let's say you hear the word twice a week. Uh, once a month, you, you hear it like eight times already. You know, you heard the word of God eight times over the years. It's like how many hundreds of times have you heard the word of God? And how many times are you just going to sit on your blessed assurance thinking everything's fine and holding all that word inside of you? God it really expects us to go uh, preach and teach the gospel here. Let me, uh, I'm going to go to Isaiah chapter 59. Uh, um and verse around 15, I said, if we have no other biblical basis for praying for the loss other than that, the fact that God expects us to, this would be enough. Okay, God expects us to go preach the loss. See, in Isaiah chapter 59, uh, verse, uh, 
Uh, verse 15, I'm going to touch on verse 15, and then I'll read uh, verse 16 as well. It reads like this. So truth fails, and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. Then the Lord saw it. Okay, we're, we're in another portion of that scripture. So verse 15 in Isaiah 59 is kind of like cut in half. Because God is looking for a redeemer of Zion. God is looking for somebody to share the word or to warn, or maybe a prophet perhaps, maybe, for Zion. So the second half of verse 15 in Isaiah chapter 59 reads, Then the Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no justice. He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. God looks for man to share his word, to prophesy his word, to give warning. And it kind of like baffled him. It's like, well, there's nobody here that'll step up. There's nobody here that'll take up the mantle. Is there anybody going to rise to the occasion and, and heed my word and heed my calling? Is there anybody out there? And it displeased the Lord, and he wondered that there was no intercessor here. There was no one here to help me out. See, God could do it himself. He could just speak out from the clouds. But then if he did that, then it's like, okay, you know, it doesn't take much faith to know that there's a God. You know, if God was just to pop out of the clouds every so often and start speaking, that doesn't take faith because we're actually hearing, we're actually seeing it. The Bible says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. And faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So in order to believe in God, we need to believe that he is and what he did for mankind, which is that he clothed himself in flesh and he dwelt among us. He was crucified on the cross. He was buried in a tomb and he rose again for our, for, for our salvation to give us victory over death, hell and the grave. And I truly believe that. And I'll stand on that gospel knowing that now, knowing that I know that. I feel or that knowing that I know the gospel the way it spoke to me and my life and in my experience as well, that I feel like I needed to share it with somebody. So in Isaiah, God was kind of baffled of like, okay, you know, is there anybody? Is there any intercessor? Is there any man here? Is there anybody going to step up? So when Jesus Christ was crucified, buried, and rose again, he came up to the disciples. And we can see here in Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. Um, okay, I'm going to read. I'm just going to go ahead and read verse 1. No, uh, verse 16. It's called the Great Commission. Matthew chapter 28, the, 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 grace, uh, the Great Commission, the section right there towards the end of uh, Matthew chapter 28 there. You can see the red letters there. He, he appears to the disciples and they all saw him and they worshiped him. Uh, but some of them doubted. Some of them doubted. See, God could do miracles in your life, and he can perform healings, miraculous signs and wonders, and there still be people, even ourselves, saying, oh, uh, you know, that was just a mishap, that was just a coincidence, oh, it, you know, it, it, and they try to put science on it and, you know, and try to make explanations rather than just to trust in God that he did. So the Bible says that in, in Matthew uh, chapter 28, 
In verse 17, it says, but some of them doubted, you know, well, they doubt because they truly didn't, they really truly never believed that he was and who he said he was and what he was going to do. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, it says, and Jesus came and spoke to them saying, and this is after he was, uh, that he resurrected from, you know, from the dead and he appears to them and he says to them, all authority. All authority. Now that he has risen again, he took. He got the keys to you know hell, death, burial, and the grave. He got the keys. Okay, he defeated Satan. He defeated the foe, and Satan knows that, and that's why he's trying to disrupt your life because he knows that you can have eternal life, and he doesn't want you to have it. <laughs> so anything that's contra- contradictory to what the Bible says, you can know and guarantee that it is the enemy trying to trip you up. He says, "All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth." Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. He's telling his disciples to go, therefore, and to make disciples out of all nations. Basically, go out there and share the word that as I have given it to you. Go out there and share what I've given you. Everything that you saw, all the miracles you saw, all the healings you saw, all the demons that were casted out that you saw witness and also casted out, Go and share that information. Go and share it. I give all authority has been given to me. All authority here on earth and in heaven. And I'm giving you that same authority to go. To teach. And what is he telling him to go? He's telling him to go. Just get, you know, go around. Teach them. Make disciples. Basically, disciples mean students. You don't make a you know make learners of these people out there. Tell them the good news. Tell them what happened. Tell them what I did. Tell them why I came. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. All the things. And they were with him for three and a half years. They were with him for three years. So in that three years, he taught them consistently, spoke to them consistently, was by their side consistently, uh, except for the few times that he took off to go pray. And he left them a little ways further for them to pray too and find out that they were just sleeping while Jesus was praying. He says, couldn't you, couldn't you just watch and pray for me for just one hour? Couldn't you do that for me? You know? So teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you and lo, I am with you always. Okay, that's a promise. If you are going to teach them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and you're saying, well, what if, you know, what if, what if I slip up? What if I forget the things? You know, what if, what's going to happen, like, if, you know, what you taught me or where I go is, you know, is a dangerous place? Well, it says right here, it's a promise. It says, and lo, I am with you always, even till the end of the age. I am going to be with you. If you are going to speak the gospel, if you're going to speak the word in truth, I'm going to be right there. But, you know, I sometimes people, even I do at sometimes when I'm reading the Bible and I'll just think, what did I just read? What did it mean? I can't remember. I just finished reading it like five minutes ago. I don't even remember what it was. The Bible says that the spirit that the father will send in my name will put will remind you everything that I taught you. So it, it, it is the Spirit, it is the Spirit, the Holy Ghost, that is going to remind you of everything 
that you read, every sermon that you heard, if you are ministering to somebody and you were putting your faith in Christ Jesus in ministering to that person, you will remember a sermon or a Bible story or something you read in the Word of God that will bring back that is going to be beneficiary to that person hearing the Word of God. Amen? And that's a promise from God because he says the spirit that the Father will send in my name will bring the remembrance to everything that I have taught you. And what is that spirit? The Holy Ghost. It's, a, it's the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in Acts chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 8, I believe it says, And you will receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you. When did they uh, uh, receive that power of the Holy Spirit? That Holy Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, where 120 souls, where 120 believers gathered together in one mindset, waiting for something because Jesus said, I want you to wait in Jerusalem for a sign. And they waited for a sign and they stayed in the upper room and, and they waited patiently, but they were praying. They waited, they waited quietly, but they were all in one mindset. They were all in one belief that something was going to happen because Jesus had promised them something was going to happen. And it came in a rushing mighty wind and cloven tongues of fire where they all started to speak in other tongues. And, and, and as the people thought they were drunk, the people on the streets, they heard them speaking in other tongues. And, and they started thinking, these people are drunk up there. They, you know, look at how they're, they're babbling up there. They're just, you know, speaking nonsense up there because people on the streets came from all walks of life. Some people from this area heard their language being spoken up there. Somebody from this area heard their language being spoken up there. And Peter heard these things of the, of the crowd on the streets mocking them and ridiculing, saying, these people must be drunk. And Peter stood up and he started to preach Jesus. He says, these are not drunk as you suppose. It's this only nine o'clock in the morning. Who's going to touch a bottle at nine o'clock in the morning? So these are not drunk. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. So he started to preach Jesus. And we, we reached that one verse in the Bible of Acts chapter 2, verse 38. So then Peter said unto them, as soon as he started to preach the gospel, he started to preach them Jesus. He said, it is this same Jesus that came down that you crucified? He put it on them. He said that you crucified. This was the Messiah. This was the Savior. And you were the one that put him on that wooden cross. Uh, and, he, and, and they realized, they, the Bible says that they were pricked in their hearts. And they said, then what, what, what do we do? What do we do? And Peter said unto them in verse, uh, uh, chapter, Acts chapter 2, verse 38, then Peter said unto them, repent, repent, change your mindset, turn from your wicked ways, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. See, Peter had the boldness to stand up in front of all those people that were listening to them. It was the power of the Holy Ghost. Remember in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, You shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. And that power came in the 120 people that were waiting upon God that day. And it empowered Peter to stand up and to preach Jesus. And 3,000 souls were saved that day, praise God. 3,000 souls were, were, were baptized in the, in the Holy Ghost, and, and they received Jesus that day, praise God. It is that same power that we cannot 
sit still. It is that power of the Holy Ghost that if you have the power of the Holy Ghost and all you're doing is sitting down on your living room couch, binge watching Netflix and sitting down on your computer watching TikToks and YouTube videos and not doing anything to share the word of God. If you have the power of the Holy Ghost, it is expected to us to go to teach, uh, you know, uh, to preach and teach and make disciples. Praise God. God expects us to. There are many, the, the Bible says that the, that the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. What, what does he mean by that, that the harvest is plenty and the laborers are few? Well, if you're, if you're a farmer and you look upon the field and goes, man, I got I to gotta harvest all this crop and it's just me and my son or it's just me. And I'm like, man, I need to find laborers. I need, I need to find some, some help here. It's going to take me forever to do this. The same thing in the, in the kingdom of God. There are many people out there that need to hear the word of God. And if they don't hear it from you, who are they going to hear it from? Don't just trust in somebody else. Oh, somebody else is going to talk to them. Well, you know, uh, there's plenty of churches. You know, I'm sure they'll get an invite to one of the churches. Why don't you be that invite? Why don't you be that invite to that church? Why don't you be the one to say, hey, Jesus loves you? <laughs> it's funny, the other day I was at work, and there's this guy at work, and uh, I went up to him, and I stood, and he goes, well, he goes, looks at me, he goes, what do you want? Because I talked to him about the Bible before. He says he's read things like that. He's got a lot of questions. He's very pessimistic. And I said to him, you know, hey, you know, Jesus loves you. And he goes, Chewy? He goes, <laughs> he goes Jesus? You know, because we have a guy, our one of the team leaders there, his name's uh, Jesus. You know, we call him Chewy. He goes, he goes, uh, Chewy? He goes, man, that guy doesn't even talk to me. <laughs> and it's funny because uh, the, the next day I came up to him and he goes, well, are you going to tell me that Jesus loves me again? And he goes, no, let, let me put it in a language that you might understand better. And I, and I looked at him and I said, Cristo te ama. And he couldn't say anything because, well, because he understands Spanish too. He couldn't say anything because there's nobody at work. His name's Cristo. <laughs> so anyways, you are probably the only invitation that your lost friend, your lost brother or sister, lost family member, lost coworker might be. You might be that only invitation. Like, like that movie, um, God's Not Dead, says that you might be the only Bible that, you know, people, that you know somebody close to you will read so we have to live out the bible we have to live a, a, a life uh, worthy of being called a christian uh, you don't want to say that you're a christian and living uh, their lifestyle you know living a worldly lifestyle because that's going to baffle them that's going to be like i thought you were a christian and and the next time you have something to say about about jesus or the gospel they're not going to listen to you for the fact that you act just like they do you just you act just like the world so you might be the only Bible that somebody might see or read, you know. So we always have to have a word prepared to give to them, praise God. So uh, God kind of like expects us to, you know, to be that invitation, uh, 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 to pray for the lost, to talk to the lost, you know. Uh, and, and it has to start in the family. It also, you know, has to start in the family. You know, you start in you start in Jerusalem. The Bible says in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world. You know, uh, uh, Jerusalem, in a sense, that's your core group. That's your family right there. Uh, Jerusalem, And then Judea, that's a little bit outer apart from you, maybe your extended family or co-workers or, or friends. Uh, Samaria, that's, you know, your neighbors, your city. 
and the other uttermost parts of the world. And how and we think about it, well, how are we going to be able to reach the uttermost parts of the world? Well, back in the 70s and 80s, it's like, wow, how do we do that? You know, how do we become like a Billy Graham? Because he reached the uttermost parts of the world by going, flying to Africa, flying here, flying there and preaching to millions of people. Well, we have no excuse nowadays because we have the Internet. We have the Internet. We can, you know, we can uh, do a, a, a short story or something and and uh, of Jesus, of the gospel, and you can reach people across the country. I did it with some of my, um, uh, with uh, some of uh, uh, the things that I did on uh, on WordPress. Uh, I, I did, used to make blogs on, on WordPress, and I used to post them, and, and I've gotten people from Italy, from South Africa, from Europe, all over the place, uh, and it just kind of like wowed me for the fact, like, this is it. This is what the Bible was saying by the uttermost parts of the world, praise God, you know, and, and it should be our responsibility of children of God to reach the lost, praise God. The Bible says, um, the Bible says in, um, let me find it here real quick, in First Peter Chapter 2, uh, verse 9, it says, But you are a chosen people. Okay, we are chosen. We're, we're children of God. If we receive Christ in our lives, we are children of God. A royal priesthood. Okay, it says we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare. What does it mean to declare? That means to be spoken, to speak it out, to give news to. Declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into this wonderful light. You could be a witness to those continuing to live in darkness. You could be the light. You could be their light. The Bible says that God is light. And if you are preaching God, if you're preaching the word, if you're preaching the gospel to those people in darkness, you are giving them light that they may be able to see the goodness and the love of God. Hallelujah. So we are royal priesthood. We are ordained in a sense. You don't need to go to a two-year two-year uh, two university or get your doctorates or bachelors in order to speak to people about the word of God. You don't need to be ordained. You don't have to go to special classes. You just have to have a passion, a fire of what God saved you out of and tell your story to somebody else who's going through the same thing. Praise God. I know some Christians that have never broken a plate, have never drank in a drink or have never did anything wrong. And, you know, they can proudly say, I've, you know, I never partied. I never did this. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for that. But there are some Christians that have been through hell. There have some Christians that have that have been to parties that were saved but still did wrong things. And they could use that experience to know that Jesus still pulled them out of that and saved them from that. And you can be a witness to them that he can do the same thing to them as well praise god god expects us to as children of god to pray for the lost god expects us to to reach the lost to to preach the gospel you know it's it's i know that it, the bible says we're saved by grace and not by works lest any man boast so it's like well why should i go out there and, and, and do works if i'm saved by grace well you're saved by grace uh, not by works but you're saved by grace for works if god pulled you out of the miry muck sinful life that you lived wouldn't you want to help somebody else going through the same thing and knowing that man if i was doing this and god still loved me the Bible says, while we were still living in sin, Christ died for you. While we were still drinking and partying up, Christ died for us. While you were still sleeping around and shooting up drugs, Jesus Christ died for you. 
man, if he had that type of grace, praise God, wouldn't you want to, wouldn't you want other people to hear that same grace? Because there's a lot of people out there living in sin, thinking that they're, are so lost and they have went so far out that God there's, there's that there's no hope for them. People want to hear that there's still hope for them. And they need to hear it from people like you, from like people like me, in order for them to feel that maybe there is a chance. Maybe I, maybe I can still get in the good graces of God. <laughs> Receive him today. If you need help, you know, if you need help to, you know, to, to witness to somebody, or if you just want that passion or that zeal just to, Declare the love of God to somebody, you know, pray, get on your knees. God will grant you the strength, the power, the zeal, and the word to see it through. Praise God. My brothers and my sisters, this concludes the last of four lessons of four biblical reasons why we should pray for the lost. And there is plenty out there. For the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. Are you one of those workers? Are you one to stand up and to speak and declare the love of Jesus in somebody's life? I thank you for listening for these last four episodes. If you want to check out more episodes, you could always scroll on the, our Spotify account at Impact Church San Diego, Google Podcast, or Apple Podcast. Just scroll down. I have plenty of word uh, right there that you could listen to. And I promise you shortly <laughs> that I will announce that, um, the, the announcement that I have been promising for the last few episodes. So I want to pray for you right now so that God may be able to use you and to give you the strength to do what he wants you to do. Are you that man? Are you that woman to declare the love of God in Christ Jesus right where you're at? Heavenly Father, Lord, we pray we thank you. We honor you, Lord Jesus, for this word, God. We ask you, God, to give us the fire, the passion, the zeal. Lord, stir the spirit with inside of us, God, that we may have the strength, Lord Jesus, to prophesy, to teach and preach and to make disciples, Lord, so that we could just share a word of knowledge, perhaps even share the love of Christ, that while we we're still doing what we're doing, whether it was right or wrong, God, that you still died for us on that cross, Lord. And we thank you for that because we know that you rose again to give us victory over death, hell, and the grave, Lord Jesus. We uplift your holy name, God. And I ask you, whoever's listening to this right now, that you touch them, that you bless them, Lord Jesus, God. Bless their heart, God. Allow the Spirit to move, to manifest, God, and to be used by you, Lord Jesus, to proclaim the gospel to their families, their homes, their friends, and the uttermost parts of the world, Lord Jesus. Lord, we thank you, God, and everything. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, continue to pray for this ministry. Continue to pray for this podcast. Thank you and God bless you.